Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. In today's episode, I am thrilled to welcome Devin Turcott to the podcast. Devin is a career advisor and the owner of Careerified. She has worked with thousands of teens, parents, and educators throughout her career, and she's a wealth of information and insight related to helping young people build meaningful careers. During our conversation, Devin and I discuss the importance of career exploration in high school and how it can be a valuable tool when choosing a post-high school path. We also talk about the harm that social media is having on our kids' mental health. You won't want to miss Devin's advice regarding the value of gap year experiences for teens that are feeling stuck about what to do after high school. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get started. Hi, Devin. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you. I've been waiting for this conversation. (laughs) And here we are. are. Um, But before we get started, why don't you just give my audience a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Uh, Sure. Um, My name is Devin, and I am a career advisor. I own a private practice called Careerified, and I specifically work with um, mainly people in sort of the 16 to 30 age range. Um, so you're Gen Z or Gen Z, as you folks say south of the border and uh, young millennials. <laughs> so I find a lot of my clients are either high schoolers who really have no idea what they want to do after high school, or they may be currently in post-secondary studies, or they've just graduated from post-secondary and are still have no idea what they want to do. And um, and then the other group I find I often chat with are folks who are maybe within the first five years of their careers and they haven't totally landed out of, you know, college or university or whatever post-secondary they did. Um, they haven't quite landed the way they expected to. And they're kind of thinking, is this it? So um, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of career exploration. We do a lot of job search strategy. Um and uh, it's a my favorite age group to work with. Yeah, I agree. When I first started, I was working with younger students, and I still do, but I love this, you know, 18 to 25 niche. I just think they're starting out on an adventure, and they have their whole lives in front of them. And unfortunately, they're all living with fear and overwhelm and frustration and exhaustion and insert other descriptive words here. Um, So I love the work that you do. I love being part of the space. You and I met on LinkedIn through a very lively discussion (laughs) um, where you were sharing a tale of one of your clients. And I think, again, anybody who works with young people knows the struggles that they're facing. And they've always faced, I mean, before COVID, but certainly after COVID, it got a lot harder Mm -hmm. and a lot more complicated. But one of the things we're going to talk about is the Brainstorm Strategy Group Survey. Mm. So for 
pretty much everyone who's listening, I'm guessing they don't know what that is. So if you could maybe just give a little background about what that is and the results that we're going to talk about. So the Brainstorm Strategy Group, um, they're a, a, a research group here in Canada, and they do a ton of research around um, post-grad life, student expectations, uh, students and jobs, and what that kind of looks like. And they do this massive survey every year. They survey, I don't even know, it's like 25,000 students or something across the country. And then throughout the year, I mean, they always release a huge report. Um, and we have a huge um, national conference that takes place here in uh, usually in Ottawa every year. And it's interesting because they'll they'll go through all the results, but you can sign up for this email from them that's called the weekly stat and stat is short for students thoughts and trends. And, um, so yeah, so they just release little snippets if you're on the, if you're on the mailing list. And it's interesting because the, um, I think a lot of the folks who get it are part of the post-secondary sphere. And so they'll ask questions like, you know, did you know that this applies to your students? You know, maybe it's something about racialized students feel like this, where white students feel like that about whatever topic, like, did you know that? Do you offer additional support to racialized students who can, you know, who could really use a little bit more help in this area? Or is this a conversation that's happening with people? So it's always interesting to get those every week. And um, this one popped up that didn't surprise me. Um, and I sent it to you and I thought this this is probably a good place to uh, to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, is the data that comes out of this report strictly from Canada or um, is it international? Um, it is Canada specifically. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I love it is because we don't have a lot of our own research here. <laughs> so it's actually really nice to uh, to get something where you're like, okay, cool. I get it. I get what's going on here. Um, that being said, I mean, you have probably spoken with a few Canadian career folks, and I've certainly spoken with a few American career folks. And it's really, the stats might be bigger in the US because you have a hard, uh, larger population than we do, but um, the outcomes really aren't that different. Yeah. The borders don't make a difference. Don't make a difference. Yeah. 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 So before we talk about the data, let's back it up a little bit. You work with some high school students mm -hmm. and as well as college and post-college and the high school students you're seeing, what are their, what's their mindset or what are their thoughts around what they're doing after high school? You know, are they going to college? What major are they going to pick? All those things. I find if they're coming to me, they're a little bit all over the place. And typically, of course, it's the parent who reaches out first and says, you know, my kid's totally lost. Please help. And I find they either have no idea of what they want to pursue after high school or they have about 50 ideas of what they want to pursue after mm -hmm. high school. And in both cases, there's a huge sense of panic um, we still have not managed to get our kids to realize that there's not like a deadline they're supposed to meet. Um, and like, I remember feeling that way in high school myself, like, oh my gosh, if I don't have this set up by this age, like I'm screwed. And, you know, it's, you know, we're another generation in and that hasn't changed, which is bizarre to me. Um, because it was a lie then and it's a lie now. <laughs> so why yeah. nobody's telling people this? I don't know. Well, and I think there's so much pressure now from society or whomever that they have to have it all figured out and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. And social media makes it worse because everybody yeah. throws, 
throws their highlight reel up there, right? So um, I saw a quote from somebody who works with youth not that long ago, and he was saying something like, you know, it's really hard to convince a kid that they're good at basketball or they're good at math or they're good at whatever because they can hop on YouTube and they can see a four-year-old who can sink a shot from half court, you know, which is this ridiculous anomaly thing. And who even knows if it's, you know, not completely doctored, whatever. But it's like you take one look at that and go, well, what am I doing with my life, right? And you're only 16 (laughs) or 17 years old. So, um, you know, that almost makes it so much worse because they don't really have a realistic picture of what's actually happening in the world. Yeah. And I think it it affects their confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sort of a two-way street because it affects their confidence, but they're also struggling with confidence to begin with. So they don't want their friends to think that they don't know what they want or that they can't make a decision. And they're listening to their friends say, oh, I'm going to so-and-so school and I'm going to study medicine, or I'm going to this school and I'm going to study you know, engineering, whatever it is. And they don't feel empowered or confident enough to say, you know what, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I'm going to study, but I'll get there when I get there. Right. And I think, I think it's because we don't normalize that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, give people the idea that, you know, actually a lot of people don't know what they're doing. You know, it's, I find it so funny and you may find this too, because you work with a younger cohort mainly, but I find, you know, a parent will reach out or I'll be talking to somebody at a networking event or whatever. And I tell them what I do. And they say, do you only work with youth? Cause like I can yep. use some career coaching, do you know? So <laughs> it's, you know, you talk to so many people in their forties, in their fifties, in their seventies who are like, I would love to talk about the next stages of my career. And they don't see that. Why would they, you know? So um, we don't normalize the idea that it's okay not to know what you want, um, that you are very young when you're young and knowing the whole world is impossible. And we also, and I think it doesn't help because schools don't publish attrition rates, which naturally they wouldn't. But we also don't talk about how many people who say, yes, I'm going to go into engineering and never actually go into engineering. (laughs) You know, they Mm -hmm. drop out at the end of first year or whatever. So there's that whole piece that gets missing too. Yeah. And there's data that shows that most kids will change their major at least twice, some as many as six or seven times. Mm-hmm. It just it just drives home the point that even if you think you know where you're going, life will throw you a curveball and you may go somewhere else. Yep. And that's okay. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. I I was just in, engaged in a conversation in, in one of the face parenting Facebook groups about just that her daughter's feeling lost because she doesn't know what she's going to do and everybody else does and a resounding over and over again from parents tell her not to worry tell her she'll get there tell her it's there's no rush but when you're 17 or 18 years old and you're watching all your friends with these best laid plans you feel left behind i guess Okay, so let's talk about career exploration because you and I are both very passionate about that. Um, and we both believe that it should happen at a younger age, right? I mean, high school here and probably there, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of career exploration going on in the school because kids are so busy with heads down in the meeting the requirements of graduation, right? So what do you recommend or what are you seeing with your clients with regard to helping them really delve into more career exploration? It's interesting, I find, because um, in most provinces and territories in Canada now, in it's usually about 10th grade, 
kids have to take a career course of some kind. It's usually something required in the curriculum. And, um, you know, I've read a few of the different curricula and generally the people writing them are, they know what they're talking about. You know, the person who's written the career curriculum here in Prince Edward Island, I had a great chat with her. It's an awesome curriculum. There's some really great stuff in there. And there are a lot of challenges with it. Um, The first is that there has been absolutely no career development training given to the people teaching the course. So, and it's usually, okay, this course has to take place. This is where it fits. Who's got an open period then? It's the gym Mm -hmm. teachers, the art teachers, the French teacher, whoever, and they throw it, they throw it at them and they just kind of do what they can do with the material. So that never leads to good outcomes. Um, If the teacher is very interested in the subject, which a lot of people are, um, and has some creativity, you can come up with some really interesting stuff. You know, I had, I was in a school doing presentation and uh, I was chatting with the teacher and she said, you know, I was talking about skilled traits and she said, I'm so glad you're here um, because the kids have a project where they had to pick kind of a discipline, like an area. So they had to pick, you know, science or math or whatever. And then they had to research a career from the university pathway, from the community college pathway and from the apprenticeship pathway related to that discipline. And I thought, what oh. a freaking cool assignment. What a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Talk about bringing it to light. Yes. So she was That's so glad amazing. I was there. She's like, they don't know anything about trades. Like, I'm hoping you can give them, you know, websites they can check out, whatever. I was like, let's do this. So, you know, I was super <laughs> excited. And, um, you know, that was really cool. But that was an anomaly. Most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kids go in and they either have, if they have an idea of what they want, they spend the whole half term. It's only a half term course in most cases. They spend the whole time looking up stuff that confirms that that's what they should be doing, right? They'll mm-hmm. find whatever schools they should apply to or what are the academic requirements they need to get in. Or if they don't know what they want and there isn't sort of a, a solid career exploration piece to the course, they come out going, well, that was useless. I still don't know what I want. And now I'm screwed because everybody else knows what they want. Exactly what we were just talking about that you that you see right. so often with youth. So um, it's interesting because this course has been put in and mandated and required. And then there was absolutely nothing underneath it to support it. And, um, you know, every time I think about it, I'm like, what a waste of tax money. <laughs> yeah. What a waste. yeah. I don't disagree. Like it, don't just throw this course at kids because it's mandated yeah. and expect it to magically add value when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that idea of integrating it into the subjects. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you might know that you like science, right? But you have no idea what career you want to pursue in science. Mm-hmm. Well, why not, while in science and thinking about all the sciencey things, yeah. get introduced to careers that would result from a science type of degree or yeah. a STEM degree? Yeah. I love that. It's interesting. There's actually um, a colleague of mine in the field, he works at... Simon Fraser University, I believe, which is in Victoria, British Columbia. And um, he's undertaken this massive multi-year research project um, looking at exactly this. Like, how can you train more teachers to be career influencers? So if we took a Mm -hmm. bunch of teachers and we gave them this career development training and support, in addition to understanding, to being subject matter experts in whatever it is they teach, does that change the outcomes for kids when they come out of high school, like rather than relying on this one half credit course that they're, who knows what's even going to happen there. Are they, you know, are they more, 
more of benefit to you know, having a science teacher who understands the career landscape of the sciences or having an art teacher who understands the career landscape of the art. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they're, they have like another year or something left on the project, but it'll be really interesting to see what some of the outcomes are with that and, and what they find out from that. Because I, I really think that's a better way to go for sure. Yeah, agreed. And not only should that be happening in high schools, it should be happening in colleges. Yeah. I just had a conversation on the podcast not too long ago with somebody who's very knowledgeable in the college space. And I said that, I go, is there any way that we can get professors to be coaching these kids or encouraging them into careers? And they say, no, they're just, they're so focused on the subject that they're teaching yeah. and the, you know, the course requirement, the curriculum requirements and, and getting these kids through the class that there's no discussion about what could result from that. If that class lights you up, Maybe there's something in the field that would light you up too. I remember when my son was, my older son was in seventh grade. He had the best English language arts teacher, ELA teacher. He loved him. He thought he was fantastic. He came home and told us he was going to be an English teacher because this guy was, he mean, he made the class so much fun and he had great admiration from him. And then, you know, come to find, no, he doesn't want to teach English, but he was so inspired by that. So you could absolutely see that happening in in a class. Yeah, I think very often with um with our colleges we forget that they were never intended to be job training. They've sort of morphed into this space of we have to churn out grads that are job ready and all this kind of stuff, but that's not how they're designed and none of the systems yeah. inside them support that. And it's right. so interesting because you hear more from parents and students saying I want an education that makes me job ready or makes me, you know, career ready. Um and you have institutions saying, absolutely, yes, we can meet that. And then you have professors who are like, nah, nah, bro, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you right. know, like they're, right. I care about research. I care about psychology. I care about engineering. I care about, you know, whatever their right. their subject is, you know. And um, it's tough, I think, because if, even if you're, if you do light up in a certain academic area, that doesn't mean you want to be in academia. And most of the time, that's the only thing the professor would be able to tell you. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm going to start talking about that concept to everyone who will listen. And we'll be right back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast college. Let's talk about that. Yes. And and you and I are both big proponents of you take the path that's going to lead you to where you want to go, right? Whether it's college, community college, university as you call it, um <laughs> or trades. Yeah. But well, and this really applies not just to college-bound kids. It's important for them to know sort of where they're going generally, right? Like, again, we're not going to say to a kid, okay, at 18 or 17, you have to decide what your path is and stick to it. But for these kids who are getting to senior year and are like, I don't even know like where to go. I don't have a career in mind, so I don't know how to prep for that career. Um, what kind of advice would you give to a young person who literally has no idea? I always tell people that they're in my head, and I'm so opinionated about it, there are only two reasons 
to go directly to any kind of post-secondary out of high school. One is that you have done the research, you know exactly what career you want and whatever step you're taking gets you there. So if what you're doing is something like a, um, you got terrible grades in high school, you're doing a general arts and science certificate or diploma to beef up your grades, and then you're going to use that to apply to another program. Cool. If you are, um, you've been really into building things since you were a kid and you absolutely know that you want to be a carpenter, you've never wanted to do anything else. You did, you know, job placements in high school and you tried a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, yep, that's what I want. Great. And the other one is if you are extremely invested in a subject matter area, you love chemistry. You want nothing more than to learn more about chemistry inside out, backwards and upside down. You maybe have no idea what kind of job it'll lead you to, but you know that's what you care about and you want to know more about it. And I always say to people, I have almost never met anybody who fits either of those categories Mm. because kids never do the research they think they do. Um, You know, you'll get a kid who somebody along the line said, oh, you know what? You should be an accountant and you're good at math. You should be an accountant. We've all heard this conversation. And that just kind of sticks in their brain and they keep going with it, but they don't actually look at what an accountant does, um, what kinds of places they work, what sorts of industries they might be in. They don't look at the bigger picture. They just go, well, no, I, I'm good at math and I want to be an accountant. So they haven't done that research piece. So they don't fit category one. And obviously with the career in mind, whatever, they don't fit category two. And to me, I think it's okay to go to a post-secondary level and not be a hundred percent sure of where you're going after If you have that investment in the subject, because if you love it and it's super interesting to you, you're going to start digging out ways. You're going to go to the campus job fair and you're going to say, I'm studying chemistry. What do you do for people who have chemistry degrees? You know, what kind of work could I do in your organization? What kinds of skills do you think? Like I'm good at A, B, and C. I know this from working in all the labs I've been in the last couple of years. What kinds of skills, you know, do you see those translating into your workplace? You know, they'll have those conversations because they're so interested and so mm-hmm. invested in the subject. So it's okay if they don't know what career necessarily comes out of it because they'll understand the value of the transferable skills that they're picking up. And I think more and more, I, first off, I think there you probably could have a lot of kids in that second category, but they're scared to be in that second category. Um, they're scared to say, I'm interested in whatever because everybody's going to be like, that's stupid. You can't get a job out of that. <laughs> right, right. Right. Or um, that won't make any money or whatever yeah, it might right? be. You're yeah. not going to make a living at that. So yeah. I think you get a lot of people who get scared off from that category. Um, and I always say for kids who genuinely really have no idea, um, my favorite tool is a gap year. Mm, I love big a gap fan year. of a gap year. Big Same. fan of a gap year. And we've given gap year such a terrible rap in North America. <laughs> you know, yeah, like it's not sure. just, you know down and out kids who can't afford whatever and they're never going to get any like we think of them that way or we think about um you know the trust fund babies who are born right. through it's a boondoggle yeah, they're off to you know, just have fun yeah. yeah you know where a real intentional gap year is a great way to do more information gathering like take a breath mm-hmm. figure mm-hmm. out what next steps might make sense figure out what kinds of ways you can get somewhere um the great thing with doing the career exploration piece before you get to school is you can then see all the different paths to get you somewhere. And very often there are five or six or 20 different paths to get you somewhere. So a gap year gives you that space to be able to explore that and find out what those are. Yeah. I've done a couple episodes um, 
on gap years. And the date from what I've been told over and over again, the data shows most kids, the majority of kids who take gap years end up in some sort of post-secondary education Mm -hmm. after like, and not only that, they graduate quickly, they're more engaged, they get more out of it. Um, So yeah, I, I tried to encourage my own kids (laughs) to take gap years. They're like, nah, I'm going to school. Well, one, I'm going to school. I'm like, fine, whatever. Right. But, (laughs) and then it's, you know, it's, they reach middle age and it's like, oh, why didn't I travel the I world when I was 18? I was at yep. <laughs> you know, like yep. that's, I, that's the, that's, that's what I say. Yeah. I'm like, when in your life are you going to mm-hmm. have this opportunity? And, and not only to just experience those things, but to learn so much about yourself and who you are and what matters to you yeah. and what impact you want to have on the world. Because when you're 17 coming out of a high school, that's a, probably a pretty small bubble. Yeah. You have no idea what you offer the world. Yeah. And yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. So that's one tool I, I recommend a lot. Um, and I have yet to have somebody come back to me and be like, that was a terrible idea. Why would you tell me that? <laughs> like every time people are like, I'm so glad you suggested that. Like, and yeah. it's exactly the stuff you said. Like now I'm going to this school and I'm so excited. And I never yeah. would have thought that I could be this excited about going to, you know, like that's, that's always the outcome. Um, yeah. The other one I tell people is to look for, a general interdisciplinary studies kind of credential mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, the one concern that I think might be valid in terms of a gap year is you sort of get out of the habit of school. Yeah. And especially mm-hmm. for kids who maybe aren't super strong academically, that can that can absolutely be a barrier getting back into school like two or three years down the road or 10 or 15 years down the road. Um, so that is something to be mindful of. So if that's a fear, what I always say is, you know, take a look. Is there a general arts and science and interdisciplinary studies, something where you can kind of dip your toes into a few different things and test a few different areas while still kind of keeping up that practice of going to school and, and being used to doing homework and doing readings and doing assignments and that sort of thing. Um, that's the one that I think may stick. Most people, um, it's funny when you talk about the vast majority going back to post-secondary at some point. I mean, that's, that's the big concern, right? Oh, if they don't go to school now, they never will. They like, never will. I've never met anybody who thinks working for minimum wage is awesome. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. And I know lots of people, including myself, who left school, got a taste of working, and then went back to school. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you get, you just have more world experience. Yes. And you see you see through a different lens and then education becomes so much more, I don't want to say important, but you understand the importance of it mm-hmm. better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did. Yeah. Um, I started my master's degree. I was in my mid thirties. I did my master's degree mm-hmm. and I did, I, I was, it was a fully online program. I was working. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. kids at home, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it yeah. absolutely do. I'm not saying everybody would want to do that. I was a little bit crazy, but um, you know, it's absolutely doable. And the more, the more demographics are shifting, um, you know, we don't we don't have the same numbers of young people as we did 50 years ago. And so schools mm-hmm. are being forced to offer programs that appeal to people of all ages that can be flexible for people who are working full time. So, you know, even if you hit that point, you might be 24, 25 years old and you're like, well, I can't really afford to quit my job and go back to school. Like, There's a good chance you don't have to. You know, you can do them yeah. at the same time. So that flexibility really, really opens a lot of doors, but people don't know that when they're 16. Yeah, true. So are there any other significant data points from that survey that you found sort of surprising or 
reaffirming and and what you might do with them? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, the one I sent to you was um, it was for many students the opportunity to increase earning potential is the second most important reason to attend post secondary. I think the first is um, to like prepare for a career and. What really struck me with that one, there's always stats that come out. Um, our body here north of the border is Stats Canada, and you know they track everything statistical. And it's always interesting to me because the earning potential stats are always university graduates or graduates with degrees or however they word it make you know a million dollars more over their careers than others than people who don't have that or whatever. And I think a lot of times what people don't realize is what they're comparing it to is a person with a high school diploma and nothing more. I think that's so interesting. Um, And I think you and I have talked about how nerdy I am about trades, but like I grew up in a trades family. My brother and I were the first people in our family to attend university education. A couple of my cousins had done, you know, community college, but most of the people in my family are trades people. And we were quite well off financially. <laughs> like we we did fine. You know, I, I was fortunate to grow up in a very privileged environment. And it wasn't until I was sort of in kind of post-secondary and moving out of it that I realized, not that I didn't know people's perception of tradespeople, but I realized just how much people saw such a big divide between the two. And it's like, my dad knew how to do all kinds of stuff I will never know how to do. <laughs> you know, right, right. he was... um and he was really good at managing people. And he, you know, really took a lot of pride in his work. And, you know, I look around at sort of people that I work with and whatever, and it's like, could you say the same things about them? I don't know if that's true, you know? And so for me, it really comes down to thinking about not just like, well, I have to pursue this to increase my earning potential, but what we don't tie to our earning potential is stuff like our gifts, our values, you know, Mm -hmm. aligning what we're good at with workplaces that will value what we bring to the table. You know, that's, those are the places that you're in where you're going to get promotions and you're going to get bonuses and you're going to, and it's less to do with the piece of paper that whatever institution gave you than sort of what you bring. Right. And you're right. And the the big data point on that is how much money, how much Mm. more money you'll make with university degree. But what about your quality of life? Right. Like, what if your degree is in a highly stressful or you're working in a highly stressful environment yeah, and you're making money hand over fist, but yeah. you know, you're never home on the evenings and weekends and you're a walking stress bucket and you just you don't enjoy what you do. It's it's skewed data in my yeah. opinion because it only looks at one there's only one way of looking at it, right? Versus the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah, so, there's um there's a book I really love. Actually, an author I really love his name is Neil Pasricha. Um and he he did the MBA program at Harvard, like whatever, 15 years ago now. Um, and he talks about kind of something similar in terms of the earning potential and whatnot. And uh, um, in one of his books, he talks about, you know, people have this conversation about like, well, you have an MBA from Harvard. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you make all this money. And he said, he says, you know, I think back to all the times when they brought recruiters on campus and we talked, you know, they would kind of schmooze us and we'd go out and whatever, whatever. And he's like, you know, we'd go out for dinner. We'd be out super late. And he said, I realize now that, you know, when I went home at two in the morning, half drunk, those guys were going back to their hotel rooms and they were working Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they were coming back to the boardroom, you know, sleeping for an hour or two and coming back to the boardroom to meet with us again at 10 AM and do it all over again and whatever. And, um, 
you know, yes, you talk about that earning potential, like, yeah, okay, sure, they earn $100,000, $200,000 a year. But if you divide that out into the number of hours they work, the pay is really not that great. Right. Yeah. Right. Ugh. You and I are so on the same page about all this stuff. I love when my path collides with my people. This was such a great conversation. So where can people find and follow you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find Careerified at careerified.ca um, and also on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, and I put up all kinds of little nuggets. So feel free to come and follow along. <laughs> Great. Will do. Thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Having conversations like this one is one of the main reasons I do this podcast. There are so many people like Devin with great ideas and a passion for helping young people find the path that's best for them. I absolutely love the idea of infusing career exploration into classes. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it seems to me it wouldn't be hard to have one discussion, one homework assignment, or even one class period talking about careers in related fields. I've seen it in high schools, and now I'm seeing it in colleges. Career planning just isn't a priority. And why isn't it? If our schools are claiming to prepare our kids for the future, then the future needs to include what their life will look like what their career will be, what their future will hold. Our teens can't possibly know what they want to do with the rest of their lives, but we're certainly not helping them start to figure it out if we don't expose them to career planning. I don't think it's an unreasonable request to ask our school boards and administrators to re-examine the possibility of incorporating career exploration into high school curriculum. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation resonated with you, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions for future episodes. All links and references mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. Please take a minute and connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have another minute, I'd be grateful if you would give me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's it for now. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.